to know that God is an evangelist. And that God had only one son. And he was an evangelist too. And as we will pursue this, this good news that, that God brings. This is what evangelist means. Evangelism means good news. A message of good news. An evangelist is one who brings good news. One who shares good news. And God is an evangelist and Jesus is an evangelist. And so therefore, so are we. If we are God's people who are following after the, the ways of God, then we are evangelists as well. We, we carry the message of good news, the best news, the news that doesn't grow old, it doesn't get boring, it doesn't grow stale. And that good news is that God wants everyone to experience life with Him. And that God has done everything Everything necessary for all who want to live with God, to live with Him, today, tomorrow, and forever. That's the good news. That's the gospel, the evangel that we share, that Jesus shares, that God proclaims. Today, we'll look at Luke chapter 4, which is the, the ordination passage of Jesus. When, when Jesus is about 30 and he, he comes uh, being called into to leadership, that it's, it's now his time to, to take his mantle and, and start his ministry. And Luke chapter 4 is when he makes that proclamation. It's Luke chapter 4, starting with verse 16. It's found on page 835 in your pew Bible, if you want to turn there or follow along on the screen. Let's pray together. Gracious God, may your Holy Spirit lead and guide us to, to hear from you as we look at your written word. Uh, can, uh, make known to us, not just in our mind, but in our, our very soul, that, that you proclaim good news and that you fill us to, to do the same. Help us just catch, experience the reality of your heart for the world. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. All right, Luke chapter 4, starting with verse 16. When he came to Nazareth, Jesus, where he'd been brought up, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because He has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. Then he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And all spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his mouth. They said, Is not this Joseph's son? 
Now, Jesus here is, is quoting from Isaiah 61. Uh, words that I, Isaiah had been inspired to, to speak over 500 years ago. Uh, speaking, Isaiah speaking of how God is the one who sends good news and He sends messengers of good news. And, and now Jesus is taking this on as, as his, his life verse in a sense. I mean, it's a great day that we're going to have the ordination and installation of new officers that we look at Jesus' ordination. The day that, that He was pronounced as the, the good news for the world. And if you'll notice, what in, in the passage, it says that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. So we, we've got the, the Trinity, the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They're all three evangelists. Because when the Spirit comes upon Jesus, He comes upon Him, He anoints Him, so that what? He might... Bring good news. He tells you right there. He's an evangelist. He's a good news messenger. And it's the Spirit in him carrying out the message that God's been proclaiming for hundreds and hundreds of years. To bring good news. Therefore, the church, the the group of people who follow after Jesus who are filled with His Spirit, who are called by God as His people, are also ones who are to be sharing and proclaiming and living this good news. I mean, this is good stuff here, right? I mean, the blind get sight. When that happens, people celebrate. When the oppressed are are liberated, a huge celebration. Dancing in the streets when we know that God's favor is upon us. All. And that's the message that Jesus brings. That's what He says. That's what He lives. That's what He does. That's what the Spirit in us enables us to do the same, to be that living good news. Um, I want to look real quickly at 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 3 through 7. Now this is um, Paul's... Oh, this is 2 Timothy. I might have sent you the wrong one, Sam. Let's look at first. It's a good passage, but uh, you know, share in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. That may not be received as good news right off the bat, but uh, but it is uh, good news. But another um, Sunday. First Timothy, chapter two, verses three through seven. This is right and is acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires everyone to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. We can just stop there. And that captures the good news of God. I mean, do you you see that this is the Lord's favor? What, What does God's heart, what is God's desire but for everyone to come to know Him? For everyone to live with Him. That is the good news. That He wants that and He has made the way for anyone who wants to walk with Him. The next verse is important as well. For there is one God. There is also one mediator between God and humankind. Christ Jesus, Himself human. 
who gave himself a ransom for all. This was attested at the right time. He not only desires it, but he's made the way through Jesus. Not only does Jesus proclaim good news, he is good news. He is the one that accomplishes the good news. That anyone, everyone, can walk in this life with God. God desires it and has made that possible. Now, I want you to to notice here, in in this and in in Luke chapter 4, that Jesus didn't come to save good people. He didn't come to save people because they were okay. He came to save people who were in grave danger. In the passage in Timothy, you know, that he wants to save you. Well, people aren't saved when they're doing okay. You're saved when you're in grave danger. And anyone trying to live life on their own is in grave danger. Anyone of, of, of walking this life without the, the power of God is in grave danger to the evil one, the ways of this world, and their own selfishness or stupidity within us. To be stuck like a log as the rush of God's love goes by. What God desires and the good news is to save all who are in grave danger who aren't living with Him. I mean, that's what what hell is, is to be without God. Is to live on our own. And so God is an evangelist, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in order to bring that good news, to let that news be known, that you don't have to live on your own, that God desires to walk with you, to lead you, to fill you into the the fullness of life. It's not a secret. It's not something that we keep for ourselves. This is the good news that we, all who follow Him, have experienced, that know that in the midst of whatever the ups and downs of life, He is our cornerstone. That's the heart of God. For joy and freedom, for sight, for release to the captives, for the Lord's favor to be experienced in the fullness of life. But as we read on in, in chapter 4 of Luke, what, what we're going to see though is that there's a problem. That, that sometimes people that are walking with God for a long time, we get too conservative. And I chose that word to bother you. I wanted to use that word. And I hope you got a little squirmish. Ooh, conservative is a good word. Well, yeah, it is. There's a lot of words that are good. But they're bad when they get in the place of God. They're bad if they prevent God's people from hearing God's word and exploding with the same love that God has for the world. We get too conservative. We get stuck in the river instead of letting God. I mean, it's a scary thing to go over the edge. I can understand why that log's stuck there. And I can understand why God's people get stuck there. Well, this explosive love, this power of this fall, man, where's it going? What's going to happen? Where am I going to land? Let me just stay up here where it's nice and safe where it's comfortable, where I know what's going to happen. 
That's not good news. It's not good news staying there. The good news is to go in the explosive love of God who desires for all to come. Who, the God who is an evangelist, has been from the beginning, whose only son was an evangelist, and whose spirit comes upon anyone and everyone so that they too will be sharing this good news. All right, let's uh, go back to uh, um, Luke chapter 4, and and we'll pick up at verse uh, 24. This is is right after what Jesus is saying. And then, then he said, and then Jesus said, Truly I tell you, no prophet is except in the prophet's hometown. I mean, just before it said they they loved what he was saying. You know, they were um, overwhelmed by his gracious words. Uh, Verse uh, 25. But... The truth is, there were many widows in Israel in the time of Elijah when the heaven was shut up three years and six months and there was a severe famine over all the land. Yet Elijah was sent to none of them except to a widow of Zarephath in Sidon. There were also many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elisha and none of them was cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. When they heard this, all in the synagogue were filled with rage. They got up, drove him out of the town, and led him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built so that they might hurl him off the cliff. Whoa, that's a quick change. But he passed through the midst of them and went on his way. What happened? What? I mean, Jesus starts talking about Elijah and Elisha and Naaman. What happened? Well, what he's saying here is in these days of the kings... God was reaching out beyond Israel. God was reaching out beyond the Jews. All the people that he mentions here are not Jewish. They're not part of the in crowd. They're not part of the religious crowd. They're not the church-going people. They're not the people that know how to sit when you're supposed to sit and stand when you're supposed to stand. They're not the people that know how to enter and exit the sanctuary when you're supposed to. They're not the ones that walk in the right place and don't run inside. They're not the ones that don't play with balls inside. Yeah, I mean, these are people that are crazy outside the midst of what the church is supposed to be. And Jesus is saying God was loving them. God was bringing them good news. God was releasing them from prison. And the Israelites, the people that know how to walk when you're supposed to walk and know where you're supposed to play and know when to stand, know how to sing, they're the the ones that know how to act and know what language to use. They're offended, enraged that Jesus would bring such broad, explosive good news among them. This is an important realization. That if God is an evangelist like this, if Jesus is an evangelist like this, if the Holy Spirit is an evangelist like this, then so too are God's people who are following after this same Jesus and filled with this same Holy Spirit to be great evangelists. I think there's, like I said earlier, one reason here, one of the reasons here that that God's people when Jesus came among them with this explosive good news. One reason here that they didn't celebrate with Jesus is because they were too conservative. They, they got too protective. 
They got too centered on themselves. They, they forgot that Israel was called in order to be a blessing to the world. They forgot that the purpose of the church is not the safety of its own members, but even to put its own members at risk in order to save those outside of the community. They forgot that. That's what that good news is. And when we are following after God, when we are seeking Jesus, we are filled with that same Spirit, when we come to Him, then we are those people then who are filled with that power, that kind of good news that we are then sent, like Jesus, to risk, to innovate, to to be among people that we don't like, that don't act like us, that don't look like us, that, that that, that don't behave like they're supposed to because... We're among them because we want to share that good news. We can't help it. We can't, we can't hold back Niagara Falls because it is the love of God within us that's breaking loose. Do you know the history of Sunday school? A beautiful story of how the church just got empowered with this Spirit of God. You know, the Sunday school started in the 1880s in England early, mid-1800s in England. And you know who it was for? It was for children who were without parents. It was for children whose parents were not Christians. Sunday school was not for the children of the church. Because Sunday school, the the Christian education was understood to be a part and responsibility of the family. The the, the family was the primary disciple-making unit. And and so any Christian child that had Christian parents, they didn't need Sunday school because they were getting that from their own parents. And, and the church, empowered with that explosive love of God, said, but look at all these children out here whose parents don't know Jesus. They're victims. They're just born into a family where they don't know this good news. We can't keep this good news for ourselves. We've got to take it to these orphans. We've got to take it to these, these children whose parents don't know Jesus. And so a whole movement of Sunday school was born for the children that don't know Jesus. One more story of Jesus, the parable of Jesus. In Matthew chapter 18. Starting with verse, verse 10. Take care that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I tell you, in heaven their angels continually see the face of my Father in heaven. Oh, isn't it beautiful that we get to have little ones like that in our midst? Whom Jesus says, they're angels. See the Father in heaven. Do you think about that when you see little ones? What do you think? If a shepherd has a hundred sheep and one of them has gone astray, does he not leave the ninety-nine on the mountain and go in search of the one that went astray? And if he finds it, truly, I tell you, he rejoices over it more than over the 99 that never went astray. 
So it is not the will of your Father in heaven that one of these little ones should be lost. Oh, do you capture the heart of God there? Do you, do you capture that explosive love of God? Greater than Niagara Falls. That, that says, well, these, these 99, they're, they're great and we're, we're good, but i got to go get that one that's gone. See, the, the heart of God as an evangelist, that message has got to get to everyone. For uh, ordination and installation, uh, for for the leaders of the church, man, you know what? It's going to be a real tendency of yours because I fall into it all the time to to be more concerned with the 99 and sort of forget the one. You know, and and because we can get real protective about things like, well, are we meeting the budget or are we taking care of the building? And that's important stuff, and we got to do that. But we don't want that kind of stuff, that, those important things, to stop us from the heart of God who says right here, 99 to 1, and the 1 wins. So when you, when you come forward to be installed, what I'll be praying for you is that, man, you, you help lead us to follow and capture the heart of God. Which, which we know is, is beautiful, which we know leads to life, which is the heart we want to follow. Right? Yeah, okay, thank you for that one amen. And it's wonderful that we're a part of ECO. One of the reasons that we, we wanted to, to move into ECO is because it's a, it's a collection of churches that says, man, we, it's going to get messy, it's going to get hard, but that's what we want to do. We want to be innovative. We want to be planting new churches. You know, the, the leader, of, uh, the executive director of ECO, Dana Allen, uh, a couple months ago when the 100th church came into ECO, said, you know, that's really good, and I give a toast to that 100th church, but what I long for, not when we get the 100th church to transfer from another church. That's just the 99 sheep moving, renaming the name of their corral. You know that, and so that's really good. That's, that's, that's fine. But what I want to celebrate is when we have a hundred, when we have our hundredth new corral. Because sociologically, new churches are a lot better at this kind of evangelism at reaching out than established churches. In an established church, the church has been around for 40 years, for every 100 members, they reach one new person with the good news every year on average. For a church that's younger than 40 years old, because it's just in their DNA, it's who who they are, they're they're still reaching out in every way, they reach nine people for every 100. Nine times more focused on sharing the good news and bringing others into them. You see how even sociologically those stats sort of show how what we see in Luke 4, that we can just get too conservative, too worried about our own safety or security or our own comfort. And we got to, in the heart of God, break loose. And so when you, you, those new officers come forward as we connect with ECO, I mean, we, we want to pursue that, that innovation, that, that energy, that power of the, the love of God that explodes on the scene so that everyone 
can know Him and, and to do what needs to happen. And, and we, we've started already two missional communities. We've been talking about those. Uh, missional communities of 20 to 40 people who meet in homes, who, who focus on one particular area of the world that, we, we think that is broken, that needs good news. And one of them focuses on orphan care and the other focuses on homelessness. And they seek in the name of Jesus to bring good news in those areas of life where they need freedom, where they, they, they need to be set loose, where they, they need sight of what is good. And, and part of those missional communities is also to be in smaller groups and in homes where then you can reach out to neighbors and friends and say where they might be a whole lot more likely to come to a home than they are to come to church these days. Whether you like that or not, that's the reality. And, and since we're focused on the one and not the 99, then we say, all right, how do we reform? How do we do things differently so that we too can focus on the one and not the 99? And that's what those missional communities are, are starting up um, even, even now. So what I want us to do this week, I want us to join us to covenant together in prayer this week. Because I, I want us, I want us to do anything right now except pray that we will be overwhelmed with the waterfall of God's explosive heart and love for the world around us. So, so what I just want us to do, I just want us to pray that we'll have the sight of, of God, we'll have the heart of God. Holy Spirit. Show me God's explosive love for the people around me. Just let's pray that. Whatever words you, you want to use, the best pray that. But just Holy Spirit, show me God's explosive love for the people around me. Holy Spirit, show me God's explosive love for the one. So that, so that we as a people are in touch with that explosive love, that waterfall of the good news of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit among us. <clears throat>